Now for our second message today, it'll be brought to us by Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is entitled, Good News, Bad News. Good afternoon, everyone. I trust uh, and hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving dinner. I know for myself, I'm not looking any thinner or feeling any thinner. Well, it's good to see you all. I know that uh, sometimes uh, caught between, you know, fall or the summer and uh, winter and in the fall, you know, when the leaves are falling and all the cold wind is blowing, it, you feel that change. You feel uh, something in the air and sometimes we have, it, it's beautiful to look at. I'll say, I've never been down to the Talamina Drive, but I always hear that the tr as the trees change down there, it really makes you glad that you have eyesight. So, you know, there's a lot of things in life that uh, we can give thanks for. But sometimes the things that we see around us today, even amidst some of the beauty that we see in this land, we sometimes come across, you know, uh, bad news. Now we know that there is a lot of bad news in our world today, but you know, bad news is really nothing new. It's something that's been happening ever since the beginning of time. It depends on you know, how close it is to our life that it might have an effect on us. But where is the good news? Well, we know that it is in the word of God that we have, that we look at, from time to time or many times throughout the day to see what the good news is, especially when we hear bad news or things come across our uh, lives that put us, that tip our bu bubble, so to speak. But our world <clears throat> today is not much different than the one that Jesus was born into. In Psalm 119, 105, we have this word that helps us to guide our attitude, to guide our thinking as we see good news in, our, in life and bad news in our life as we look to the word of God. Psalm 119, 105, it's not on your handout there, but it says that thy word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So, as in the first message, we're here to learn of God and his son and to maintain our faith by reading the word of God or by listening to the word of God. But we know our world today is much different from the one Jesus was born into. News comes to us faster than ever before from different directions from different sources and uh, you know north east west south you know from places far and near and they have an effect on us in many ways they pique our interest when we hear about them especially when it's something like breaking news comes across we wonder well why is it why the breaking news and why why is it important that we should know but we get news just as soon or almost as soon as it happens. Now when Jesus began his ministry, he came with good news about a coming kingdom 
of God and the kingdom of heaven that is to come. And he brought a message of salvation that he wants us to understand and to hear that there is a message of repentance that uh, we are to consider as we look toward the good news that is to come. We know that this is a message of salvation that we find in, in the words of God and that it has the aim for us to know that we are not far from inheriting eternal life and that kingdom that is to come. So you're in line, we are in line to receive an inheritance. Now, we know that the gospel can be summed up, I've heard, in a verse that tells us this, that, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So there is a lot of truth in that, and there's a lot of hows and whys and what's to do as we look toward that kingdom. One of the things we know, too, that Jesus did not come to save the righteous because all have sin. All have, all have sin. And we all have need of Jesus Christ and his promises and, his sacri and what his sacrifice has done for us. We know that Jesus gave up his Godhead to become human. He became flesh and blood, able to feel the pain feel the discomfort that we that we have in our life and to experience the sorrows that we have in life so he was tempted in all ways just just as we are today there are things out in the world that tempt us there are things that tempt us when we are among people yet Jesus we know did not sin for the, that's what the scripture tells us his life he lived a life of perfection for our sake for your sake, for my sake, and we can be grateful that he did that because in that we are forgiven and in that we are redeemed to the eternal God believing in that sacrifice that Jesus made for us. So he brought the gospel. He brought the good news to sustain believers through all the trials, through all the ups and downs, through all the good, and through all the bad news that we might hear. Now we know that Satan that if he could just play upon the human nature in our Lord and Savior, that he could tempt Jesus into bowing down to worship him and destroy the only Son of God and, and foil that divine purpose for which God sent him to save the sinner. Now, Satan, we know, wanted, he wanted to overcome and rule Jesus and the rest of mankind. And so that everyone would just bow down to him because, you know, mankind is mortal. And there would come a day if they were bound down before worship that they, there would be no human, that there would be no creation that, mankind, that God had created because they would succumb to death through disobedience. So he knew that if only he could stop Jesus in his tracks, that Jesus could become and say mortal but he underestimated you know our Lord and our Savior and the power of the Holy Spirit that is in each and every one of us so Jesus went to meet the temptations 
after his baptism uh, by John. For we read in Matthew chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight, straightway out of the water, and the heavens were opened unto him. And he, that is John, he saw the Spirit of God descending uh, uh, like a dove and lighting upon him. And he also heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. So after the baptism, Jesus' commitment to do the will of God can be just like the time that we were baptized or the time we considered uh, repenting and, and committing ourselves to, to God that we as the adopted children of God that he can be well pleased with us because of the road of the choice that we have taken in life. So, in Matthew chapter 4, you remember verse 8 that the devil took him up into an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. The glitz and glamour of the things that we see around us can be an enticement to uh, anyone even in our, in our natural state today. So looking off in many directions, he showed Jesus, made him, uh, had him look at all these kingdoms, north, east, south, west, in every direction, and the people of the world. And Satan said unto him in verse 9, All these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. So Satan had the power to give these things because he is, as the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 2 4, that he is the God of this age and that he is the prince of this world, as John said in uh, chapter 12, verse 31. So we have heard many times that Satan walks about as, as a lion stalking looking, seeking whom he may devour. So he's, he's subtle, he's crafty, he knows our weakness, and he wants to play upon it, to snare God's people with uh, some sort of temptation that will cause them to disobey or, or turn away. So we are warned against the wiles of the devil. And the reason that there is waywardness in our world is because People have gone astray and do bad things and bring about, you know, the cause and effect thing that causes bad news to come about. So we're warned against the wiles of the devil. And though we have God's Holy Spirit, we can't take for granted that the devil is going to leave us alone. We're baptized. We've been given the Holy Spirit. And still there are many temptations to overcome even our own carnal nature. And so if we purposely and foolishly put our lives in danger, saying that faith will save us, we do tempt the Lord. Back up in uh, Matthew chapter 4, up in verse 6 and 7, uh, it's written uh, that Satan tempted Jesus. And in verse 6, and said unto him, If ye be the Son of God, 
Cast yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. You know, lest you be hurt. So Jesus said unto him, It is written, again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, You shall not tempt the Lord your God, as you tempted him in Massa, you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord, your God, and his testimonies, and his statutes, which he commanded you. In 1 Corinthians, we must not tempt the Lord, that is, test his patience, his purpose, or uh, exploit his goodness, as some of them did, and they were killed by serpents. So Jesus used the scriptures to live by and to overcome the temptations as Satan was presenting him with when Jesus went out to be tempted to overcome Satan. Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, it says, After that temptation was done, uh, Jesus said unto him, Get you hence, Satan, get a, you know, just get away from here. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. James 4, 7, we, we find uh, a key to overcoming temptation because this is what Jesus, that helped Jesus and which will help us as we live our life. He said, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. He'll, he, he'll depart from you because he, he will see that through the power of the Holy Spirit in us that we have God's resistance in us, for the Holy, Holy Spirit dwells in us. Satan, as you've heard many times before, you know, was the one that he, that he was the one who was fallen. And when he knew better, but he had become proud, he, be, he became vain, uh, <clears throat> deceived by his own uh, lies, his, his pride, and he made a third of the angels believe his lies into becoming rebellious and, dis and, and disobedient. So Jesus was tempted directly by Satan there in the wilderness. And in the same way that, Jesus, that, that Satan tempted Eve. Remember uh, in the Garden of Eden. But since that time, mankind has faced many temptations and because of his lack of resistance at times. It has it brought the world into what we see today, the good news and the bad news. Now, in verse 12, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he went to Galilee. That was the time when Jesus officially began his ministry, and that was until you know, John the Baptist was put into prison and he had heard that he had heard this. And whatever, you know, the grapevine or how the news traveled in those days, or he heard about John being cast into prison. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulon and Nephilim. And... This is where he went to dwell. 
And Luke explains in verse 14 that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by Isaiah the prophet, that in the land of Zebulun, in the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. This was where, you know, many foreigners also dwelt. And the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region in shadows of death, light sprang up. This where the ministry was launched. Isaiah had prophesied, you know, of a light to come. And, and this was region. This was a region where the light of Jesus shone the light of his word. Now, from that time, verse 17, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the message of Jesus when he went to Capernaum was to bring light not only to the, uh, these particular tribes of Israel, but also many Gentiles. So the message of salvation was to them and to all the world, as many as would follow the light that Jesus brought. So, salvation is for all man. And sometimes there are so many temptations, so many deceptions, that along the way to this present time, many do not see it. Many do not, they, they fall into uh, the wrong kind of concept about God and his and his ways so we know that there must have been a great need in that region for good news and the light of hope to begin there in John chapter 12 uh, verse 46 John said uh, Jesus said I am come a light into the world that whosoever believes on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, that is, you know, condemn the world, but to save the world. He that rejects me and receives not my words has one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, he said, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. So he was confirming that God had sent him and that the words that he spoke were truth because they came from the source of truth and the message that Jesus of Jesus was twofold that of repentance and that the kingdom of heaven is near how near would that be because sometimes we wonder about that I wonder about it how near is that time well it's ever how long our years may be in the time that we have allotted the years of our life, but the years, they go, they go by quickly, the older we become. All too soon, we wake up and find that we are more near to the kingdom than the day before, or hours before. Matthew chapter 4 again, 
in verse 18, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So they heard his voice. They saw him. They saw him maybe motion toward him, saying, Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So he was calling the, these particular men to share in the gospel and to spread uh, that message. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, and in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. They left what they were doing. They left their business. It was a calling. And sometimes in our life, there is a calling, some kind of an urging that may take a while before we realize that we are being called into a new way of life. And for some of us, it meant leaving a job in which we may have had to work on the Sabbath. And back in the old days, in the Worldwide Church of God, where uh, those assigned a giving and committing to a new way of life, you know, it wasn't permitted for women to wear makeup, things of that sort. And so there, was, there were things that we give up. And the, the main thing is, you know, we give up our life in order to live the life that Jesus wants us to live. But they immediately left the ship and their father and followed Christ. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with different diseases, diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic or, or insane, and those that had the palsy, the, you know, those that were paralyzed, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond the Jordan. It would be like us listening to uh, reports of, uh, of someone being able to heal miraculously people from all of the things that afflicted them. So good news was traveling fast in that day and age. Remember how fast that was. But Jesus was proving himself to the people to, to be the true son of God through great miracles of healing. And he was teaching and preaching the good news of salvation and bringing light unto the world. In Matthew chapter 9, uh, this is just a quote from two scriptures there. Uh, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. That is something that we, we would like to see as, as we live in this time in which, you know, we have a pandemic plus other causes that are making people sick and taking their lives. 
And verse 36, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And so we see where he sent 70 disciples to preach his message of, uh, of good news of salvation and repentance. In Luke chapter 10, we see 70 appointments that were made uh, in verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whether he himself, where he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Verse 3, Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse, nor script, nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. And into whatever house you enter, First say, Peace be to this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your, uh, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. You know, Christ is the Prince of Peace. And he's working with every life, with every individual. And if that house has that uh, welcoming way, it would... It would be there because they stand in need of conversion. And they stand in need of going in the direction that Jesus, that the disciples also would preach. Because God is calling them. And if the son of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain eating and drinking <clears throat> such thing as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. Stay in one place, he said, when they go. And don't hesitate, he's, in essence, to accept hospitality. For the workman is worthy of his wages. Verse 8, and into whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you, you know, they welcome, each such things as are set in before you. And we know that they knew about the clean and unclean meats, so I'm sure they would not eat anything and everything that was placed before him. And verse 9, And heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. <clears throat> if a city welcomes you, two things they were to remember, and that what is set before you, to eat what is set before you, and heal the sick, and preach the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. In verse 10, but into whatsoever city you enter and they receive you not, go your way, go your ways out into the streets of the same, of that same city and say, even the very dust of your city which cleaves on us, we do wipe off against you, notwithstanding, be ye sure of this. That the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. Just remember that message. That the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. And we see elsewhere in some scriptures. Where uh, when things, bad things start to happen. They will remember that surely there was a prophet among them. That told them and warned them of the things that were to come. Uh, verse 12. 
But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city, uh, that town that refuses and that rejects uh, the message. That Sodom will be better off in judgment day when, when that time comes. Dropping down to verse 16. He that hears you, hears me. And he that despises you, despises me. And he that despises me, despises him that sent me. And the seventy then returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So we know, and he was there when Satan fell from his uh, power and the glory that Satan once had. Verse 19, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So Jesus was, you know, giving them authority over the evil spirits. And not just for the fun of, you know, walking on scorpions or, or serpents. Notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. To the disciples we know, we know their names, they're written in heaven. Of the other 70, I don't know their names, uh, probably in the Bible somewhere we might find a couple of them. But the cause for their joy should not be in what they could do in the, in the name of Christ, but that their names were written in heaven. In Mark chapter 6, verse 7, And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, that they were to depend upon their faith and, and the help that they received along the way because this is what uh, they were promised, that it, that, that it would come. In Mark, in Matthew, that is, Matthew 24, this is a, a quote that for us to consider as not only a part of the church but also in our individual life. Verse 14, that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation that was you know, spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever reads, let him understand. So there are things that we know, things that we do in our deeds and in our sayings, and even how we uh, attend to... Uh, keeping the Sabbath, that people will notice, and therefore we are a witness for the kingdom that is to come. We also know that bad news that is ahead is followed by good news, and that is the good news of the return of Jesus Christ and the establishment of the kingdom of heaven here on the earth, where you know where all the problems of life are. In Titus two, the grace of God. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. It's how we witnessed 
our witness to others, to our families, to our friends, to our co-workers, to each other, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all sin, from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. So every trial, every uh, bad thing, every good thing has some effect on our life. But we, uh, God is seeking to purify our hearts and minds along the way. These things speak, he's telling uh, the disciples, these things speak and exhort and rebuke all with all authority and let no man despise you. So all who have been given to know what is ahead have a part in sharing the gospel of the coming kingdom of God and the message of repentance in some, in some way whenever there is an opportunity. But we're cautioned to be wise as serpents and harmless as, harmless as doves. Acts chapter 5, <clears throat> verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders brought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest dared no man join, join himself to them, but the people magnified these uh, disciples because they had a high respect for them. And the believers... And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing might overshadow some of them. And so there came also a multitude out of the cities round about Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed, every one. So they had the authority of Jesus Christ to, to do these things. Follow me, said Jesus to those disciples, whom he called to be part of his ministry. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. In Matthew 28, Jesus said that all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, to observe all things that he's commanded them. Today the world is in spiritual darkness and in need of heavenly light. And sometimes that light dims in our own life. And we need uh, the help of Jesus Christ through his word as we read it to be encouraged and to be reminded that he shines a light onto our path. He told Peter to feed my sheep because Peter had gone back into his business after Jesus was arrested and crucif crucified. And to Paul, who was persecuting the followers of Jesus Christ, that Christ called him to preach the gospel unto the Gentiles. And which led Paul to say, woe is me if I, preach, if I preach not the gospel. That is, you know, the good news of Jesus Christ. Second Thessalonians gives us 
a look at, you know, bad news of a falling away. He said, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, who is the son of perdition, who, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. Second Peter, uh, chapter three, verse one. Uh, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. So, any time we read the Scripture, any time we hear the Word of God spoken, they are to stir up our remembrance of the good things that we have learned and heard in times past, because. Being human, we will sometimes forget them. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, well, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. But the Lord is not slack, verse 9, on down to verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Even those who may not know God, even those who are uh, in, in the throes of sin, that they should come to repentance. But not only them, but also sometimes a Christian who somehow slides backward and quits obeying needs uh, repentance from time to time. And seeing that all these things, oh, I'm sorry, verse 10, next, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. We're going to have to be a different person at that time, a changed person at that time, in order to endure this, this great thing that is going to happen. Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promises, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwells righteousness. So we turn to the scriptures, remember these words, so that it stirs us up, so that we can remember and not forget that there is coming salvation. So as Christians, we walk by faith. Jesus gave his life for us, we know that. And in him we live. He paid our debt. Our debt for sin. And he, he bailed us out to redeem us. And he's given us a promise of everlasting life and hope. And one of the things we must be careful to not do. And that is to become lukewarm. But keep you know the spirit stirred up. Resisting the temptations and the wiles of the devil. 
So we know that there is good news ahead. And sometimes the bad news happens first. And we find ourselves being tested. We find ourselves uh, in many ways going through some trial or, uh, or some sin in our life. But that's why we need to pray for one another. So we've received good news. We've read and heard the preachings of Jesus Christ. Don't let them slip or we could slide, begin to slide backwards. But we need to follow Christ and his teachings and not that, not that of man. In Luke 21... It's not, I don't think this is on your uh, outline. It says there in verse 30, 33, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. You know, that is just living in a careless uh, manner, in careless ease, and not attentive to the things that need to be uh, done. And drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares, that is, you know, unexpected. For as a snare it shall come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Matthew 26, there in... Uh, a few verses there that we are to watch and pray that we that we enter not into temptation it says the spirit is willing <clears throat> but the flesh is weak Matthew 24 verses 13 through 15 tells us that there will uh, be good news that will be preached and he that shall endure unto the end in verse 13 the same shall be saved and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come so don't let bad news discourage or, or make you afraid Romans 8 tells us as Paul said for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor depth, all sorts of these things, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The other day, uh, uh, after uh, Carolyn had her uh, surgery, she's not supposed to drive the car. So I've been doing a lot of the driving, and as you know, she has a, a nice little car there. And uh, I forgot how the subject came up, but uh, it was about, you know, our Christian life and how sometimes it seems like trials are even heavier upon a Christian when, you know, you think, well, why did we go through trials? And... The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and she reminded me of that scripture. And so I looked it up to see what it says, and she explained it to me, but I uh, went to the scriptures also. She said that 
the Apostle Paul said that know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receives the prize. Everyone runs it but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain. And, and that way you'll be the one to win the prize. And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly so fight I, not as one that beats the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have, reached, when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. So we live for the gospel's sake. We live for the promises that uh, God has set before us. And those promises mean something to us personally, to each one of us. And it is by our own choice that we have chosen to partake of the gospel of Christ. So in conclusion, Revelation chapter 14, verse 12, 13. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. So we know of many loved ones. We know of many saints who have died and they are at rest and are blessed for you know we've read that precious in the, in the sight of, uh, of the Lord is the death of one of his saints so we have a lot to be thankful for because there is good news to see beyond the bad news that we might be hearing about today and remember the opening statement about Thy word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's something that shines ahead that we have to use that light, the light of God's word, to stay on that path and know where, we, where we're going. For we walk by faith and in the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is our Savior and our Lord and the one who has given us so many great promises that it should make us want to stay on the path that is set before us. No matter what the good news might be and no matter what the bad news might be in our life, we have the promises that God has made to us.